I actually cut the message in half. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> right? Right? So today you're getting a second part, uh, all right, of, uh, of kind of the introduction to the uh, upside-down kingdom. Uh, and, and the reason we're calling it the upside-down kingdom is that when you look at the kingdom of God on the earth today, it seems a little backwards at first. It seems upside down. We showed you a graphic last week where we're in the kingdoms of this world. The rulers are on top and all the important people are on top and all of us peons are on the bottom, right? You know, and in the, in the kingdom of God, it's literally flipped on its head and the greatest servant is our king. Right? And he is holding it all up. Uh, and that is upside down as far as the kingdom of the world is uh, concerned. So, um, I want you to grab, did y'all get your notes? Pull out your notes. And, uh, and I want you to write this down. We said this last week, but I want you to get it in. Or some that were traveling weren't here last week. I don't want you to miss this. That, uh-oh, uh-oh, we're going to have to fix it, Josh, sorry. Uh, the, you can write this down. There are only two kingdoms, how many kingdoms? That are active and alive in the world today. Do you believe that? That's not all of you. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? There are only two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. That's Bible, right? I mean, that's what the scripture says. There are only two kingdoms. The good news is, no matter what country you live in, no matter what your economic status is, you get to choose what kingdom you live in. Oh, come on. You get to choose. You know, we get to choose. He's given us a free will to be able to choose what kingdom we live in. And we said this last week, but I need to say it again because we're talking about the other half this week. Uh, and If you remember, we talked about that every kingdom has three things. There is a pattern of values. Every administration has a pattern of of values. They value something, that's the thing they push. Whatever it is they value, that's what they push. Well, in the kingdom of the world and in the kingdom of God, there is a pattern of values. You can look at what's being pushed and know where the values are. Does that make sense? Oh, does that make sense? Yeah? All right. So, there's a pattern of values in the kingdom of this world and in the kingdom of God. There's also a power that really pushes those values. Those things that are important uh, are pushed or, or administrated. There's some weight behind it, kind of like with a coach, right? Uh, we used that analogy last week. That coaches, some are all about conditioning. It's all about conditioning. Well, they have some weight behind the value of conditioning, and if you don't condition, you don't play. Come on. 
right? There's some weight. There's some power behind the value. And when the power pushes the value, it produces a product. What is being produced? What is being produced in the kingdom of this world? And what's being produced in the kingdom of God? There is, there's a value there is a power and there is a product that is being produced, right? That's right. And here's the thing. Write this down. Again, just recap. Being a disciple of Jesus is committing to a different kind of kingdom. It is a commitment to a different kind of kingdom. See, I, I believe salvation is by grace through faith. Anybody with me? Right? But how many also believe salvation is only the first step in being a citizen of the kingdom of God? Right? It's the first step into citizenship. In the kingdom of God. You're a citizen, but there are some things that really have to change in us. Anybody in the room, things changed after you became a citizen of the kingdom of God? Right? Some things changed. And if it didn't change, we need to talk. <laughs> right? We need to talk. Because I'm not so sure you're a citizen. It, you know, because things change. There's a different kind of kingdom that you are uh, a part of. All right, so we're going to read uh, some scripture we touched on last week. Um, and uh, let's look at it. It's in Luke. Let's look at what it says. Luke chapter 6. This is the last half of what we read. We're going to read the first half in just a minute. But woe to you who are rich. And that word rich literally paints the picture of the powerful. Or not, not wealthy, but powerful. All right? For you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who... Does anybody remember what that word means? Oh, come on. We talked about it. To gloat. That's right. To laugh. It's to gloat. You gloat now over all you have and all you do and how important you are. You gloat now. You laugh now. Um, but later, <laughs> you're going to mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. We said last week that the pattern of values of this world, of the kingdoms of this world, or the kingdom of this world, that it values power. Would y'all say that's true? The world we live in values power. Shake your head one way or the other. It values power, right? It values comfort. It, it values success, right? It values popularity or recognition. All men going to talk good about you. It's recognition, right? It's recognition. 
You know what's interesting? None of those things in and of themselves is sin. Let that soak in a minute. None of those things that the kingdom of darkness values on the surface, none of those things are sin. It is not a sin to be successful. Oh, come on. It's not a sin. You know, it is not a sin to have money. Nothing, that's not a sin. One, I mean, actually two of Jesus' disciples were wealthy, wealthy people. They were. I, I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with actually any of those things, with, with popularity, with recognition. There's nothing wrong. It's not a sin. But I want you to think about it like this. It's not a sin, but that's how the enemy sucks us in. Because it's not a sin to have power. It's not a sin to have comfort, to have some nice things. It's not a sin. In and of itself, there's nothing wrong with it. But if we're not careful, what is not a sin can so easily, when it sucks us in, Lead to sin. Lead to the one, I believe, original sin. You can go all the way back to the garden. Actually, before the garden, you can go to heaven with Satan. There was an original sin. And I believe this sin is actually the root of every sin. I don't think there's any sin that you can commit that the root of it is not pride. Pride is the root of every single sin. I steal because I deserve it. Come on. I take, because I mean, you go through all of the list. Man, y'all are way too quiet. Sam's helping me out. I need this, all right? All right. <laughs> but just think about that. None of those things in and of themselves are sin. It's just not. The problem is when I build my entire life on success, power, comfort, he is saying woe to you because it's not going to last. You have it now, later you're going to be hungry. Later you're going to be, do y'all see that in the scripture? You just cannot build your entire life on that if you do it is it is a it's not gonna last I can have it all remember we said it's a kingdom of now the kingdom of this world is a kingdom of now I can have it now I can't I can be filled now the upside down kingdom the kingdom of God that is this upside down on the surface you know it seems upside down because it values the poor it values those that weep and mourn. It, it values those that are hungry. I, it's interesting. It values the excluded. 
Those that are pushed away or pushed to the side, those are the things that it values. Remember, right above these verses, it says this. Back up in verse 20, it says, He looked at his disciples, Jesus, and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. How big is the kingdom of God? Y'all know, even if you don't recognize it, he owns it all. Just look around. It's all his. Right? Right? The enemy has deceived us into some other things, but the truth is, it's all. He said, blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now. For you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now. For you're going to laugh. And that word laugh is different in the Greek than the other word laugh. That word laugh is joy. (laughs) It's okay. I'm weeping now, but I'm going to. I mean, it's, it's quite all right. Blessed are you when people hate you. When they exclude you, when they insult you or reject you, your name as evil because of me, another place says. Because of the Son of Man. And then one more. Rejoice in that day. Oh, come on. And what? Leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. So how do we know that Jesus is right? How do we know that his kingdom actually makes more sense, even though it seems a little upside down? How do we know? I, I I was digging these scriptures and I found something interesting you guys go on a journey with me all right are y'all y'all tuned in all right um I was reading and in a commentary um I actually wrote down just a little bit of what this commentary said all right and a commentary is like a really smart guy on the bible writing his opinion does that make sense so he is a lot smarter than I am on the scripture, and I, I just thought this was very interesting. He said, Jesus came down at the beginning, right before verse 20 that we just read. It says, he came down from the mountain, and he was healing, he was feeding, he was giving himself to the people. And then he makes this statement in the commentary. He says, it was the handwriting on the wall See Daniel 5. That was in the commentary. It was the handwriting on the wall. See Daniel 5. Now, Daniel chapter 5 is this interesting story about a king uh, of the Babylonian Empire. His name was Belteshazzar or Belshazzar. Um, And Belteshazzar was actually the last king... Of the Babylonian Empire. Now if you've done any history. You would know that the Babylonian Empire was 
the largest, most perverted, corrupt empire that's ever that, that had ever been up to the Roman Empire. All right? So, so they were powerful. Um, it's interesting. Daniel served under three of these Babylonian kings. And Belshazzar is, uh, is like he inherited this amazing, twisted, jacked up, sinful thing. He didn't work for it. It was handed to him. All right? And he was the king over an untouchable kingdom. A kingdom that could not fall. Right? And then... And then in chapter 5, Cyrus, a Persian king, comes out of nowhere and starts taking ground from the Babylonians. And the Persian king, Cyrus, it looked like on the surface there's no way you can't touch. They had had battles. They had had other guys try to take the kingdom. There's no way. We are Babylon. Cannot be defeated. And so the Persian king is taking ground and taking ground and gaining momentum. And Belteshazzar, he's like, I don't care. Matter of fact, let's just throw a big party. And it's interesting. It says in the, in, there in Daniel, it says that Belshazzar, he, he brought all of his rulers and all the important people into the kingdom or into the, the king's house. And, and he brought all of his, I think it's interesting, it actually says, he brought all of his wives and he had a bunch. And he brought all of his personal concubines, his personal prostitutes. So he wasn't married to, to them, he just had sex with them. All right, that's what a concubine was, right? So he brought, I don't know if you realize this, bringing your wives and concubines to the same party is probably not a good idea. I would think there could be friction. You, you know, I, I don't know. It just sounds like a bad idea, but that's what he did. And he brought all of them in, and, and he just partied. Like they were all getting drunk. There were orgies going on. I mean, it was like this crazy, wild party. And in the middle of that party, a hand appeared. Just a hand. <laughs> and it literally, some theologian says, it literally carved with its finger into the rocks. I've always heard about the handwriting on the wall. He didn't have a pencil. Right? It was the hand of God writing, carving with his finger in the rock. Now that's pretty crazy, right? And in essence, without going into all of it, in essence, what it said in the, a language that he wasn't, un, he wasn't understanding, but what it said was the days of your kingdom, Belteshazzar, are numbered. Get things right. Because your kingdom's going to fall. That's what it said. And that's exactly what happened. It fell. Cyrus came in, 
He took it all. Took it all. So now, this commentary said, that's what was happening here. It was the handwriting on the wall. When Jesus came down from the mountain, healing, feeding, performing miracles, it was the handwriting on the kingdom, on the wall of the kingdom of darkness that said, your days are numbered. Isn't that good? Your days are numbered. There's a new kingdom coming. Come on. There's a new kingdom coming that's going to conquer the kingdom of darkness. Man, we ought to get excited about that because that's cool. That's cool. That, that he was saying, you know what? You are, you are building your entire kingdom on all of these things that will not last. But there is a kingdom coming that is all about loving and serving and living in community and doing life together. It's a kingdom that is so different from the kingdom that is happening right now. And so here's the warning. If your life is built and if your entire focus in life is about my comfort, my success, my power, my popularity, I just want to gently say this. The handwriting's on the wall. And your kingdom will not last. It will fall. It's only temporary. It really is. Here, here's a, are y'all okay? All right. Uh, write this down. The mark of a Christian is actually a reversal of values. If there's a value and a pattern to the kingdom of this world, then, then the mark of a believer or the mark of a disciple, the mark of a Christian, really should be that there is a reversal of values. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. He is saying, blessed are you who mourn now, who suffer now. Now, now here, I got to say this. He is not saying, because I've heard this preached, right? And he is not saying, go try to be a martyr. Go try to find some reason for somebody to, to, to persecute you. Come on. He's not saying that. He is not saying, go find some reason to suffer. Go find some reason to be hungry. So that, so that everybody, um, it feels bad for you, you know. Don't, that's not what he's talking about. He is not saying, matter of fact, Karl Marx said that, that, that Christianity based on these, he quotes these scriptures right here. And he says, based on these scriptures, Christians are masochists. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not saying go look for reasons to inflict pain on yourself and you'll be blessed. That's not what he's saying here. And, and you can dig it out. I encourage you. Don't take, 
Don't take my word for it, but, but dig it out. Um, I don't know about you, but I know a few people that love to be miserable. Anybody know them? Don't raise your hand if you're sitting by them, all right? Just don't. But anybody know somebody that they, they love for everything to be terrible? I'm just suffering for Jesus. Come on. I'm just suffering for Jesus. And really, it's because you're suffering because you won't get a job. You're not suffering for Jesus. Oh, come on. Come on. That's not, that's not what he's talking about here. Matter of fact, I hope, man, I hope I can share what I believe is so powerful if we can, if we can just grab this. What he is saying is, when those things come, when suffering comes now, we see value in it. That's the difference. We don't go looking for it, you know? We don't look for ways to inflict pain on ourselves, you know? But when pain comes, we look to him to find the value in it. Does that make sense? We may suffer now, but it produces treasure later we give now but it's multiplied later are y'all hearing me that's what he's talking about we don't look for suffering hear me we don't look for suffering we don't look for ways to suffer for Jesus but but we don't run from it either does that make sense we don't run from it when it comes we don't go, oh my goodness, my life is over. Come on. When bad things happen to good people, we don't go, oh no. It's over. It's terrible. No. When the economy crashes, we don't freak out. We may feel it, and we may mourn the loss now. Come on, I'm, I'm scripture right here. We may feel it, and we may mourn the loss now, but that's not where our treasure is. Is that making sense? I'm going to say it like 20 times. Because I think if we can get a handle on this, it will help so much. Because, write this down. The upside down kingdom, in the upside down kingdom, we are not controlled. Everybody underline controlled, highlight controlled. We are not controlled by power, comfort, success, and recognition. We're not controlled by those things. In the upside down kingdom, we are not motivated by comfort or success. 
If those things come, fine. If they don't come, that's okay too. Are y'all hearing me? I'm not controlled by them. I can take it or leave it. Right? Come on, right? Think about it. You're like, you're not sure yet. Okay, well, just hang on. All right? Um, because the difference is, right, write this down. The difference is, in the upside-down kingdom, we do our part, and the result is up to God. Come on. In the upside-down kingdom, we do our part. Let me say it like this. In the upside-down kingdom, I work, I serve, I give, and what it produces is not up to me. I'm going to say that again because it wasn't enough amens. In the upside-down kingdom, I work, I serve, I give, and what it produces is not up to me. It's up to God. Right? I do my part, and the result is up to Him. If I listen closely, if I work hard, and I serve, and I give of all of my resources... And comfort comes, success comes, wealth comes, recognition happens. See, if I'm living in the upside-down kingdom, I know that all of those things that have happened is not based on my genius, but on His grace. Come on. <laughs> Does that make sense? I do my part. I am a faithful steward of what God has given. Some he's given five. Some he's given ten. Some he's given two. Right? Right? My job is to be a steward of what he has given. And when it comes to what happens with that, that is by his grace. See, some believe, I mean, some people can't even stand to be around success. In the same commentary, he said, he said, if you are fearful of success or comfort, if you don't want to even be around it, you better be careful because you may be controlled by it. Because deep down, often what we push back on and preach hardest about is the thing that we really want. Deep down. Does that make sense? And, and I just thought that was very, very interesting. If I'm living in the upside down kingdom, what happens with what I do is not my genius. It is his what? what? We already said it. it is his, it's his grace. It's not because of me. Right? It's not because of I'm so good. All right? It, it works like this. I, I, I'm going to try to paint a picture for you. Are y'all still with me? All right. Let's say that right here we have a guy that is part of the kingdom of this world. He's a good guy, right? But, but he is part of the kingdom of this world. Right here we have a guy. I was going to pull people out of the crowd, but somebody might get offended. All right? So... So, right here we got a guy that is part of the kingdom of this world. 
Right here we got a God that is part of the new kingdom, the kingdom of God. All right? So on this side is, right? This side is the kingdom of, uh, of God. All right. So let's say that, that one, one of them, the guy over here, that he is controlled by, he is a slave. If he's part of the kingdom of this world, he is controlled by success, power, comfort. Come on, right? He is a slave to that. All right? The one over here, he is controlled by the Spirit of God. All right? Are y'all hearing me? All right. So two different ones. Let's say they both find themselves in exactly the same situation at work. And both of them are in a situation where if they tell the truth, they will lose their job. The guy in the kingdom of God, the guy in the kingdom of this world, if they tell the truth, they will lose their jobs. Here's the difference in the values of the two. The guy living in the kingdom of this world, he is a slave to comfort, success. He doesn't have a choice but to lie. He has to lie. He has no choice but to lie. Because in the kingdom of this world... If I tell the truth, I'm not going to get it now. Come on. If I tell the truth and I lose my job, I'm going to lose the comfort of my nice house. So I have to lie. It, if I, if I tell the truth, I'm going to lose success. What will people think of me? Reputation. If I lose my job. So I have to lie. I can't make it without my 401k. I can't afford to lose it. So I have to lie. The difference is, the guy on this side, that is part of the kingdom of this world. Now, this is the scripture coming to life right now, all right, and where we, where we live. See, the Christian, he has to do what's right. His values are reversed. He says, I have to do the right thing. I have to tell the truth. And I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my job now. But later, <laughs> I'm going to be rewarded. Y'all see that? That's what Jesus was talking about. I, I might lose, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mourn 
the loss of my boat now. Come on. I'm going to mourn the loss of my nice car now because I can't make the payments anymore. I'm going to feel the loss of my 401k now. But what God is growing in me is bigger than now. Does that make sense? And if we can just grab that, that is so, so good. I may lose now. I may mourn now. I may suffer now. <laughs> but later I'm going to laugh. Isn't that what he said? We read it. Later I'm going to be filled. I may have lost now, but guess what? He's going to fill me. He's going to fill me. You may lose your job, you may be hungry now, but later you're going to be filled. It's okay. Jesus actually said, blessed are you for doing it right now. Come on. Blessed are you who choose to do the hard thing now. And it's interesting. That word blessed in the Greek is actually a different word than what is used blessed in other places. It's actually a different word. Matter of fact, if you got your notes, I think this is on your notes, that that word right there, the word blessed when you who are mourned, blessed are you, it actually means deeply satisfied. Oh, that's good. Deeply satisfied. See, I used to hate these scriptures because I didn't understand them. What he's saying is, he's saying, you may weep now, but deep down, you're deeply satisfied. Because you know, I may lose now, but I'm blessed. Come on. I may weep now, but deep down inside, I am blessed. I am deeply satisfied. I am deeply satisfied. A Christian is someone who can weep now and still know they're blessed. Anybody in the room ever been through a really difficult thing that you weren't sure you were going to make it, but deep down inside, you're like, no, I'm still blessed. That's good. That's the kingdom of God at work. That's the kingdom. You may, you may be mourning, but deep down you're like, I, I know I'm going to be okay. I am deeply satisfied. And if you are part of the old kingdom, that's not true. In the new kingdom, I can feel the loss, but I'm deeply satisfied. I can lose my job and my savings, have to move into a smaller house, but guess what? I'm still deeply satisfied. Are y'all hearing me? I can make the right decision even if it costs me because deep down I am deeply satisfied. I know I am blessed. See, a Christian says, I can enjoy comfort. It's okay. 
I, I can enjoy success. Recognition, that's all right. I'm okay with it. But it's not my identity. It's not who I am. It may be what I have or what I do, but it's not who I am. The king of my kingdom is the one holding me up. So I don't have to worry about losing my kingdom because it's not mine, it's his. Are y'all hearing me? So I can make the hard decisions now knowing <laughs> my king's supporting me. It's going to be okay. It may look different, but it's going to be okay. So I watch the news, and I am concerned, and I pray, and I fight spiritually, but I am not worried. I'm going to say that one more time. So I watch the news, and I am concerned. And I pray and I fight spiritually, but I am not worried. I'm not worried. I'm not going to freak out. I'm just not. Because the kingdom that I'm a part of is a whole lot bigger than what's going on here. Come on. Right? The kingdom I'm a part of is so much bigger. As we jump into this thing over the next few months, we're going to go step by step through some of the values and the patterns of values and learn really what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom of God. I'm really excited about that. But as I wrap it up, and you're like, really? You're wrapping it up? Yeah, I'm going I'm to get you out of here early. Somebody say amen, all right? Not going to have to fight people in the parking lot today, all right? Um, <laughs> So, if that's the pattern of values, or the, yeah, the pattern of values, um, where does the power come from? Where does the power come from? Where is the power to live a life as a part of the kingdom of God? Where, where does that come from? And, and I want you to write this down. And we're going to be digging into this more later on. But he gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us to live in the kingdom of God. Can I tell you something? If I lost my house for speaking truth in love. If I lost my house, my cars, my stuff. Victor in and of himself cannot celebrate and leap for joy. Is there anybody in here going to be honest enough to say that's right? I cannot. It is not within me in my power to do that. <laughs> that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit and said, you don't have to do it in your power. Did y'all know that today is Pentecost Sunday? It's Pentecost Sunday. It is the day after Easter that the Holy Spirit showed up and changed everything, right? Right? Changed everything. The Holy Spirit empowers us. 
I don't have to live an upside down kingdom by victor's power. Are y'all hearing me? It is, by, it is the most amazing thing when he says, you're going you're gonna to mourn and leap for joy. I was like, no, Victor ain't doing that. And then he goes, the good news is, <coughs> Victor don't have to. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit in you is going to do that for you. Come on. I'm going to empower you with all that you need. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And as you tune into the Holy Spirit in your life and let him speak louder than the kingdom of this world. I'm telling you, we got a problem with letting the world speak louder than the Spirit of God. We got to get to the place where we let him speak louder let him speak louder. Do you realize that Jesus, our king, the one holding up the kingdom, he did all the work for us. He died carrying all of our garbage, came out of the grave proving he had power over the kingdoms of this world. <laughs> and then he said this, he said, he said, and the same spirit that took Jesus' dead body and raised it to life, I'm going to put in you. Man, we ought to just like run around or something. I don't know. Mm. You're like, but I can't do it. That's great. You don't have to. All we have to do is allow the Holy Spirit to do it for us and in us and with us. Come on, right? That's freedom. It's not a, I got to try harder. <laughs> no. It's a, I got to let the Holy Spirit work it in me. Let him be leading my kingdom, not me, because my kingdom's not mine. It's his. I've given the authority of my kingdom, the authority of Victor's kingdom, the stuff he's built. <laughs> no. Uh, all that was just drags, Paul said, right? <laughs> I give it to him. I can't run this thing. You do it. By the power of of your Holy Spirit. I want you to look at this last scripture. In 2 Peter it says. By his divine power. What power? His. Everybody say his power. His divine, holy, pure power. God has given us some of what we need. Then why do we live like it's some? Oh, I can't do that. Why, why do we live like it's some? He said it's by His divine power that God has given us what? Every, I say everything. Everything Victor needs. 
I, I want us to read it again. When we get there, you put your name in. Say your name really, really, really loud. Okay. Read it with me. Ready? By His divine power, God has given us everything Victor needs for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know the king of our kingdom. Isn't that cool? The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So the first step in the kingdom is to get to know the king, right? To surrender our little K kingdoms to his big K kingdom. To get to know him and allow his spirit to truly give us everything that we need everything that we need and what does it produce <laughs> life and life to the full in this life and eternity